Ginny, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to chat with you today. So am I. I've been looking forward to it. Ginny, I'm 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 a huge fan of yours, and we've talked about this before because I I always you know when I saw your profile and I was like oh my gosh I was like your career story and your background is exactly what I'm kind of aiming for like that's my that's what I look for like when I come when it comes to my own career development so I'm very excited to just hear that story I want my audience to hear so tell us a little bit about you and and kind of you know you know your the rich history of just experience that you've had so far in your career. I, I seem to be at the age uh, when I am asked this more often than in my uh, earlier years. And I reflect on it and have been able to see patterns, which I think are, are interesting. You read, um, and many of your speakers may have alluded to, you know, find your passion and everything will flow. And I'm not quite a believer in that, but that will come out as, as we talk. Right now, uh, I'm a professor at Marymount University in um, uh, Arlington, Virginia. And I teach in the MBA program and the DBA, the doctoral program. And I teach uh, the organizational behavior, leadership, strategy, um, team management courses. I am not your finance person. <laughs> so, and it's been a very rich journey uh, teaching. I love it. And you'll see why in a minute. I also have right now my own company called Strategic Performance Group. And uh, we have two areas of practice. I have uh, three partners. And we do a lot of leadership development. That's one area, which includes uh, dealing with top teams and programs that go on from everything from a week to a whole year. And then we do HR, uh, comp, benefits, executive recruiting, uh, and we split and surveys. We do organizational surveys. And then I have a third uh, area on, in my circle, and I have a podcast like you. And our podcast, um, we have leaders and thought partners. And what does it take? given this day and age with uh, remote, with hybrid, to keep a culture alive, to keep the vision and mission so people uh, have a sense of identity, which is still important. And uh, so th those are the three things. Luckily, they all intertwine. Uh, if they were three distinct things, I'd probably be, you know, uh, putting stickers, sticks in my eye, but, um, and I noticed when I reflect that there are many pivot points in, in my, my journey. And what I did was something didn't feel comfortable. I assessed it and reinvented myself, but always carried along with me a core and in the early days i didn't know what that core was i knew it intuitively i couldn't name it so i started off as as an english teacher 
and loved the teaching part and got very frustrated with the administration and the fact that the person down the hall would show movies all day long and make more money than I did. You know, just how the system was set up, I found uh, not very engaging. So it's around that time I had a friend who said, well, you know, you can teach in business. And I knew nothing about that. And, you know, there's this whole field called training and development. <laughs> well, and everything you are in terms of being able to create programs and get up in front of people, it's, it's all there. So I got a hold of training journals like um, the the ATD journal, Training and Development, and I read a whole year's worth of issues and got up on all the nomenclature. And I gave myself three months to find a job to infiltrate business training, and it was hard. Um, we did... It, it, Computers were not as as uh, prevalent. So there I am at a typewriter type, you know, all of these uh, interviews and uh, can we just chat and, I, you know, lots of crying myself to sleep. <laughs> but three months happened and I got a job with AT&T. And the other marvelous thing about that was now, we know you come with a lot of expertise, they said, but we put you through a pretty intense month-long training on how blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, my God, this is ideal. And it was. And from there, I grew and started honing in on creating courses and teaching courses that were leadership and management-oriented. And... Um, and got a job, made a switch. I thought I had had enough of AT&T and made a switch to Lockheed Martin. And it was there that I had a really great mentor who would come and watch me teach sometimes. And I would be teaching leaders. <clears throat> and she said, uh, I don't know if you realize this, but you are one of the most phenomenal teachers I have ever seen. And I said, boy. And I said, you know, what, what's about that? And so we chatted and I said, well, I guess that's my core. And so when you look back and you see it was, you know, English teaching, then to teaching in business, then the topic of leadership. And that took me into uh, facilitation mm -hmm. and um, more one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, counseling, coaching, and consulting, quite basically. So I wanted to up my game. And I said, well, I should get a doctorate. <laughs> and, um, and so the whole world of organizational development and the kinds of things that I teach, leadership and all that, was just perfect. And uh, at that exact time, I pivoted and became a director of human resources. But it was a company that said, we don't want just, just regular HR folks. Uh, we want someone who would really bring the organizational development and help create this whole culture of learning. Mm -hmm. you know, so once again, there was that teaching component as I climbed up the ladder. 
and um, then had uh, a lot of things were, oh, I got uh, <laughs> my doctorate. I defended my doctorate uh, six weeks after I had my first child and it sort of all came together. And then I said, oh my God, how am I going to do all this? <laughs> so I, someone called me up and I got a job, the professorship job at Marymount. And I said, oh, I'm not going to do this for too long. That's when I, for when I retire. So what I think uh, I, would be a great way to start a consulting business. And so I did. And so I was teaching and consulting and teaching and consulting. And of course, consulting is just another avenue towards teaching. And um, I said, oh, you know what? I'm not going to quit the teaching, even though my business was growing, because it was great synergy uh, mm -hmm. between the two. And I've been doing that combination ever since. That, that's really, really awesome. And what I love, you've said so many different things, but what I particularly love, and I think that's interesting for my audience to hear is that we often look for these kind of, you know, quick solutions, like two steps to find this, three steps to do this, you know, and there's truly not. And this is what I hear from a lot of my guests is like a lot of it is just like, hey, I want to make a change. Not sure what it is, but this is interesting. Let me explore that. And that's what you did for that year. You were just kind of like diving deep into all of the learning and development stuff. And then you had that, you know, you gave yourself that three months, like a timeline. You said, I'm going to I'm going to get get into it. And, and, and that's how essentially it, ha it happens. And what I love is that in the back of your mind, you had this kind of um, uh, uh, urge to, to, to be with people and to teach and to facilitate. And I think that was kind of naturally coming out. So it felt right when you followed the opportunity. So it's like, oh, you might, you probably looking back, that wasn't what you were thinking. You didn't have this, like, I'm going to do this. this right. Well. But you, that's where you ended up. And part of it is because you kind of knew what you enjoyed and you 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 kind of just allowed it to flow in, in that direction, it almost sounds like. So I find that very fascinating. And, and I think it's, again, and I- And there I, were I along the way, and I love how, how you, that you um, highlighted that. Along the way, there were people who tried to pull me into some different directions. Yeah. Uh, when I was at AT&T, they wanted to make me a project manager. And they said, oh, you got all the right skills and so forth. I did, but I thought about, you know, being a project manager, you know, in my mind, I sort of role played it. I said, no, I just don't like that. Mm. So I had someone else who wanted me to go into sales. Again, I have some basic good qualities for sales. And this is where... You know, you probably have dealt with this with a lot of folks that you try to help. You know, you can draw a circle and in that circle, you have different spokes. You know, I have the spoke for my career, spoke for family, spoke for for some people. It might be religion. It might be playing the piano. Right. So these different spokes mm -hmm. um, help that I want to keep active. So my wheel is in balance mm -hmm. and when i thought about the sales i said god you know and and that constant meeting of people and and have i brought money in i don't want to live with that kind of pressure so even though i shared with you this at every pivot i took the teaching along 
Um, yes, I guess that is part of what made me remind myself, what is it that you're valuing? And what is it about the whole, uh, about uh, sharing and, and being in the teaching arena in terms of lifestyle, in terms of um, seeing the light bulbs go on with people? Um, someone really questioned me deeply. So what is it about the teaching? And it got to that, that I love to see the light bulbs go on. Uh, uh, make a difference making a sale won't make well doesn't give me that light bulb mm -hmm. okay so those were things that you begin to see that draw you uh it's down pull you mm -hmm. down your path mm -hmm. and um and i like that other point you made it is not easy you know, there are times uh, now here's something, though, I think your listeners should remember. Um, accept the fact that you will need to reinvent yourself. Mm, I love that. It's like, well, it's been about two or three years. Where am I? Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling this itchiness? Um, what else, you know, what's going on here? So take that time to assess. And that assessment part to go deep is um, hard. It's frightening because you realize, oh my God, I'm going to have to change maybe. And what is that going to mean? Um, there's a certain risk factor there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, realizing that's what I have to do, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess there has to be this balance of excitement and fear, right? So not complete fear where you go into anxiety, but there has to be that excitement piece to it. And I think and it's hard. It's hard to recognize that sometimes. And it depends on so many factors. I mean, I've spoken to people, you know, who, you know, if you're in the wrong environment or you don't have that support network, it's, you know, or you have people pulling you in one direction or the other. And it's it's the fear. And it's natural for all of us to run the opposite direction and to recognize that balance and to recognize whether a particular pivot is the right for you. I think it's scary uh, for sure. But I, I, I think it's I think it comes down to awareness. Right. And this is like, this is what I battle with all the time. Cause like, I don't know what, what do you think in your experience? Is it that what would help somebody recognize that opportunity for the right change when it does come? Mm. <clears throat> it, I, I love the word you just used, which is being aware and mindful mm. um, that that needs to be a part of your journey. It's not, okay, great, I did it. Now I'm here and I, I reached that goal. Mm. That, no, there's going to be a little knocking on your uh, door in a matter of time. Mm -hmm. um, sort, of, uh, sort of related, but not, but I, it, it gets at this is... Um, I remember when I was working and I had three kids under the age of five. I was fortunate enough that I was, we were doing well. And so I had help and um, don't get me going about how 
the United States does not take have good programs for children, but <laughs> um, and I realized every few months, it seemed like I would have a crash. What I mean is a like, oh my God, this is crazy. What what is it that I have to do? And um, it might mean that I had to rearrange my schedule, rearrange the nanny schedule, uh, get a new computer, whatever it was. And then I sat myself down and I said, no, wait a minute. This is knowledge. Every three months, you're going to crash. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? Now I know. Right? Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's a two and a half month. What's happening? What might I have to readjust, readjust? Mm -hmm. So get over the crisis aspect of it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It might be scary. Um, ex Put your arms around it. Mm -hmm. I you know? Well, here we are again, three months. <laughs> Yeah, I like it when you said it earlier, you said, you know, just accept that it's going to happen. You have to reinvent yourself. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what we have to do is even in, as individuals, as, as leaders, as an organization, right? Um, it's just, it's just what it is, especially in today's day and age where everything's just moving so fast um, and you just don't have a choice. Um, it's all, it's just part of it. And I think seeing it, what I'm hearing from you is like seeing it as an opportunity um, is, is, is the mindset, the mindset piece, I think is the most important, which a lot of people see change as scary and, and it is, but yeah. I think seeing it as an opportunity versus a challenge or versus something scary, uh, seeing it as something exciting. I think that's, you know, as easier said than done, but I think tricking yourself into believing that eventually you'll, you know, your brain will follow suit. Oh, it will. It's wonderful what you can tell your brain, yeah. right? It's, it's wonderful to, uh, Put yourself in the space of, all right, it seems like I'm going to have to take on some changes. And so what do I have to revisit? I have to revisit what's important to me. Mm. And it usually means the reason, and, and, and by the way, what's important to me will change. You see, that's the Very other Very good point. Right? Uh, I remember my husband said to me when we when we decided to have a third child, uh, he goes, and by the way, I want you to get a job where you uh, work less, but make more money. You know, and that was the joke, right? You know, we're both, we're both, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought about that a minute and work less, make more money. I wonder how I can do that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the combination of the consulting and the teaching came. And I had now incredible flexibility. And I was making steady money, not more money. But I was in control of that because that's what I needed with children. Mm -hmm. So how can I still fulfill myself? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I guess that's this. I'm trying to get to that point of yours of being aware and making it an opportunity mm -hmm. and, and trick the brain. You know, I don't care if we have, to, okay, let's do a pro-con analysis. Give me, you know, <laughs> fill up these 
four flip charts for everything negative. Hmm. Now let's tear them down, jump all over them, set them on fire. Now let's look at how can we look at it as an opportunity? Mm -hmm. What might this enable you to do more of or less of? And keep revisiting that list. Because mm. you will have bad days. Absolutely. And before we go into to talk a little bit about the leadership and organizations, because I'm very curious based on your experience, but I wanted to um, also point out that it's so important to also have that enjoyable, like the jobs that you enjoy. And I always say like not 100% of the time, because you are going to have your days where even even if you love what you do, and it's your own thing, you're going to be like, I just can't do it today. But I said, you know, always look for that 85%. Because when when it comes to uh, everything else in your life, if you if you drained at work at, you know, 100% of the time, you're drained, it's very difficult to be to be a good partner to be you know a parent to to just continue to live life and it becomes very exhausting so oh. i think again to your point like being aware and mindful and following that little those little knocks that kind of make you say okay maybe it's time for a change and expect that change i think it's so important because i see a lot of people that i work with where they just got they kind of got stuck in that area for a little bit too long they overstay their welcome in that particular experience in their life, and it really impacts everything. Um, and then it's and it's much harder to make a change if you haven't made a change. Totally, totally agree. That that's perfect. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I want to talk to you, I'm really curious. So you've been doing you know, leadership development and training and kind of teaching for many, many years. I'm curious, how have you seen, especially in the classroom, how have you seen, um, you know, the change have the themes of what was important in leadership, I don't know, 10 years ago versus today, maybe, maybe there isn't a theme, maybe there isn't a change, but I'm just curious, like, what do you see as the biggest challenges for people when it comes to, to leadership to mm -hmm. 10 years ago versus today? for example. Right. I think what has changed over the years is emphasis. When I think back 30 years ago, when I was just this little baby getting up there and training leaders at Lockheed Martin, I was teaching the same kinds of things, like you need to communicate with people. You need to reach them in a personal way. It's not just managing the project. It's not just, did we make the extra million? Okay. So mm -hmm. there are these sets of what they used to call soft skills mm -hmm. that we kept reminding leaders, this is going to be the difference. And even the Center for Creative Leadership talked about, they did that 20-year study and a lot, these people that they picked as high potentials did indeed do very well. And let's say they all get to like a director level. Those that went beyond, the difference was their interpersonal skills. Hmm. So then we get COVID and we get this incredible change where leaders are saying, well, wait a minute. Now, what do I do? <clears throat> They're not in front of me. Uh, so I would get, I get to this day, I get questions like, well, how do I hold a one-in-one check-in on the phone <laughs> or on Zoom? 
how did you do it in person? And of course, they weren't doing it very well then. And so that's what I mean by some things that haven't changed. What has changed, though, is they now have to pivot, mm -hmm. look deeper at what they were doing well and not well, and adjust that. How do I make it work in this new environment? Mm -hmm. How do I have a Zoom meeting and people are engaged? How do I know that the culture is growing, even though I have people all over the world? Um, what kind of language should I be using that I didn't ask before? How can I ask more questions? How can I show empathy without com coming off as crybaby? Right, because that's their fear. The fear is, oh, wait a minute, I have this picture of what a leader is, and now I'm supposed to go around and be this softy. No, you're supposed to be human, mm -hmm. right? Human in terms of how you're talking to people, how you're relating, and then how can I help you do what we both need to do in terms of what's best for the organization? conversations they didn't like to have mm -hmm. that's what's changed mm. and i love it however there are there are tons of leaders that are really working it and doing well mm. and there's a bunch that are failing mm. and even screaming everyone back in your seats everyone back into the office the ideal is hybrid, a little mm -hmm. of both. You still have people who love to go to the office and you still have people who like to work from home. Mm -hmm. What people want is the choice. Yes. And grappling with that. And how am I a good leader every day is the change. Mm. Well, I, I just think it's harder, I guess, the, the reason some of those leaders are saying, you know, get everybody back in office is because they don't want to change. <laughs> they don't want to have to adjust on how do I manage this team in a hybrid environment, because it's, it's really about them at that point. And they're scared. Mm -hmm. They're being thrown out of their comfort zone. Yes. Right. Why can't it be the way it was before? Mm -hmm. Let's not even talk about why it can't. It's, it's gone. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Those days are over. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, I, I do recruitment now and I cannot tell you how, I mean, it's, it's a deal breaker. If it's not hybrid, if it's not or even fully remote in the tech world, at least, um, where you're like, you're like, I'm sitting behind a computer anyway, like, why do I need to come into the office? So like the, the techies really don't get it. You know, right. um, I, I'm more on the side of the hybrid for sure, to your point, because I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that study where they, they kind of track people's success past director level. How many actually make it? Because I always, I don't want, I don't want to say joke, but I kind of joke about it. I said most careers die at mid level because mm -hmm. to go from mid level to that senior level, it's those soft skills. And, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, uh, you know, working with, with kind of maybe some of the young people in your programs, because what I see is I, I don't see the, a lot of the young or up and coming leaders seeing that yet. I see this issue because I work with a lot of leaders who are at that pivot point and they realize it and they're like, uh oh, or they're far beyond it and realize they haven't grown in their career because mm -hmm. of this. 
but a lot of the young people coming up you know the new generations they don't take it seriously that they need to start getting comfortable with being with having those interpersonal skills again it's not for everybody depending on the career paths and etc right that's but, right but you know for those that are looking to grow into leadership roles and want to kind of manage and all they just can't get away with it so what that's do you right. think uh, I, I totally agree with that. In terms of the younger folks coming up, it's interesting. I So folks that come into like the MBA program maybe are five years out from getting their undergraduate and are ready for the MBA. That's just typical. Mm -hmm. I get all kinds. And I'm shocked to see how little exposure they have had to workshops on, um, on uh, conflict and even the basics of how to manage people. Organizations seem to be saving that for, well, when you become a manager, that's when you'll need it. <laughs> and <clears throat> so, there they are out there in the world for at least five years, sometimes 10, and haven't the haven't had the exposure to see that these interpersonal skills are going to make or break them. Mm -hmm. Because it's not only the managers and leaders who need to be better trained. All employees, and especially the younger people who have grown up on social media, where they don't have to talk, they don't have to express an emotion, they can just push a button, they are coming into that even less equipped mm -hmm. than some of the earlier generations. And it's what courses that we have put into our MBA, at least three of them, where the soft skills are emphasized and um, where they have to. So how, how, how do you handle the situation? And you can see that it's the first time they've even been asked that question. There's a conflict. You're at a meeting. How do you handle that? Oh, my God, I wish I had this earlier, you know, in my career. Um, so to get closer to your question, there's starting to be a realization. They're not too sure how to get it. So there is a crossroads, I think. Mm -hmm. If they, if they went, if they went right into an MBA, academia is giving the soft skills now. Mm -hmm. And they're integrating coaching mindsets and they're using using the leadership theories of trust and empathy and authenticity, because now, luckily, we have the data. See, mm -hmm. we used to preach it 30 years ago. We didn't have the data because it was still everyone in their nice seats going to the office. Right. Yep. Now we have data. Productivity is still up. Mm -hmm. People are asking for a connection. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's not only the leader who needs to be coached of how do I have a good one-on-one. -on -one. The employee needs to be coached 
how can I ask for something? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, I haven't heard from my manager, so that must be okay. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, so a lot more learning and exposure to what does that look like? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's so spot on because I see a lot of reports and of course the media spins it however they wish, but they talk always about the company should be doing the, this, the manager should be doing this, but they never focus on the individual. You know, what about you as an employee and taking accountability? Because you might be lucky to have a great manager. In most cases, that's not the case. You will have a manager who statistically would have been in that management position for 10 years before they get, get any actual management training. So a lot of managers fall in that category. So if you're an individual waiting for your manager to do this or waiting for your company, I think it's wrong. And I think this is where the narrative really has to shift uh, in the media when they talk about these things. It's like, it's not just on the company. There's three responsible parties, the manager, the individual and the organization. All three have to work together to create the structures and the resources, et cetera. But the individual ultimately is, in my opinion, responsible for their own career growth and whether the company provides that or not that's a different story but then again as an individual for most people they have a choice to make that shift boy do i agree with you and it again in the early days mm. 25 years ago there used to be a course that i taught at lockheed martin called uh, managing your own career mm, i love that and it was it, you know Here's what it really takes to be promoted. Mm -hmm. Here's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Here's how you have to make it easy for someone to see you in this kind of light. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Here, um, here's how you have to network inside the organization. You know, concepts, and they loved this course. Mm -hmm. Then it went out of favor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of thing that needs to come back. And you don't have to call it that, you know. Um, there are a lot of, you know, managing your life probably needs to be taught. <laughs> you know, work-life balance and yes. what are your skill sets and what are you doing to keep them sharp on the job, outside? Ah, oh, so much good stuff. Yeah. You know, also find interesting is that... Um, we knew we knew that this is important like like you're saying like 25 30 years ago and then technology came over so it, everybody was started focusing on digital skills and digital skills and digital skills and these are still equally as important but now that actually technology is way better than we are and smarter than we are and all we need to do is really just learn how to use it all of a sudden these other soft skills that we always knew like communication communication has always been important it's always been a challenge in organizations for as long as humans there have run organizations it's a challenge we have today you know and still it's you know to me it's like we knew this 30 years ago yet we keep you know you know uh, chasing these trends versus just looking at the realities like this is what it takes to work with humans. So, so I think that we need to just take a moment, remember that and not, you know, discredit it when something new pops up. You are so, so right. Cause here's the assumption. Well, and, 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 and everyone could do that. Everyone knows how to have a discussion. Mm. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And that's that's the sad part. 
Mm. Whereas if, oh yeah, I'm going to go out go to a class to learn how to use this new software. And that's something tangible that I can touch. Mm. Right. Mm. How about how you handled that conflict this morning mm. in the hallway? Mm -hmm. um, it's becoming more important now. And in fact, for one organization, I put together some mini case studies in a high-tech environment. So this software, blah, 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 and they had to do this and blah, blah, blah. And then I, I bring up the problem. And the problem is always an interpersonal problem. Mm. So by the end of the class, no one could say, oh, that's just foo-foo stuff. Right. It's the nuts, nuts and the bolts. Huh. Well, what happened in this case? Every single person was very competent. Yeah. Uh, and um, they ha it's almost like you have to hold up the mirror. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It means, yeah, you have to learn that. You yeah. have to learn it and practice it. Mm -hmm. And that is something I teach in, in, in a, the MBA courses. And once they're exposed to it, they eat it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think having that awareness, because even people who get promoted, they say, well, you know, I've been doing a good job and naturally, and they, they kind of also assume and their managers and their organization assumes that they're just going to keep going, but then they quickly realize that being an individual contributor versus managing now people who used to be your colleagues, Oh, that's when a lot of conflict arises because all of a sudden you're becoming the, the you know, the supervisor for somebody you used to, you know, share a desk with, for example, or, you know, share same responsibilities with. And that's when a lot of conflict and it's like managing that is very difficult. And it's, you know, every new situation is going to require that next level of you. And, and oftentimes we're not prepared. Totally. Yeah, totally flat footed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is what happens. Yeah. And, and so to, to this point, um, before I ask you the last couple of questions, you also, you know, you mentioned you run the podcast where you you really kind of um, invite to talk about these, you know, uh, topics, especially within the remote environment um, that's called Team Anywhere, your podcast, right? So where can people listen to it and what kind of, I guess, what kind of guests do you bring on so that, you know, who is your who is your ideal listener for this? Yes. Um Yes, it's team-anywhere.com, and you can go right to that, uh, which will then show you all the list of folks we've had uh, over the past year and a half. And um, our guests are usually uh, CEOs uh, or directors of very large sections of companies. Uh, or thought leaders who uh, do a lot of research in, in the areas that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, the listener is, quite frankly, anyone in an organization, uh, because you're learning, here's what it takes mm -hmm. to be a good leader now. Here's the struggle I went to. I couldn't, I couldn't be empathetic. Or I didn't understand what being vulnerable was. Or I didn't even know what it was like to look within myself and to realize 
How do I know I'm being a good leader? It's when the people around me tell me I'm a good leader. So how do I ask for feedback? And, and, and that is the kind of leader we want to get on. And they'll, some of them will talk about, you know, how they were before COVID and now what they are. And some um, have always been in a good leader space. And how do they really keep that going? Because mm. it's hard. Um, so we have other leaders listening. We have practitioners like you and me. And we probably have uh, and thought leaders in academia and think tanks. Mm. But I have had people talk to me, you know, anywhere from the management level and above. Mm -hmm. And I just listened to what I just said, management level and above. Why aren't the, the first line people listening? Yeah. Got to think about that one. Mm -hmm. I got to yeah. think, yeah. Absolutely. That's a whole new podcast. Yeah, Go forth and do. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, it's just, it's, it's very, it's super fascinating because like as humans, we're humans and the human nature is the same. And it's like every generation we're experiencing similar challenges. And yet it's like, are we just going to continuously experience those or like, you know, so it's, it's quite interesting. I, I, I ponder these thoughts all the time myself and I'm like, how are we not, how are we still not getting this <laughs> as like society, you know, <laughs> so, but I guess it's mm -hmm. part of just being human. And, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I, I feel like we've covered so many different aspects to to kind of just the world of work today, the, you know, the responsibilities we have as individuals, yeah. as leaders. Um, and, and so I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I hope we can have another conversation at some point and, and go deeper even into some of these points. But I wanted to ask you just one last question before we wrap it up. And what is what is that one question you wish that people ask themselves? more often all right well guess what it's not one question <laughs> um it's three the first one is um every once in a while just ask yourself um what's holding me back mm -hmm. um we all have a gremlin of some kind you know uh, something that that fear, you know, make it more aware. Is it at play right now? So that um, you, as you can do what I had suggested, which is embrace it. Mm -hmm. Don't run away from it. Uh, the other is a question I call, how can I rearrange my desk? And the bigger meaning of that is, that notion of every three months, you may have to adjust. Because mm -hmm. I tell people, you now have just throw everything on your desk off. Because it's the same computer, the same list, the same chart, the same calendar. You know, you're doing, you have got to look at all the pieces and reset if you want a different result mm. so that's you know well it might be time to rearrange your death mm -hmm. and the last one is who can i ask for feedback today 
Mm, that's good. Super, super important one. Tell, elaborate a little bit more for those people who are like, what does this matter? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it goes to something I just said a few moments ago, which is I'm only as good as the people who have to work with me feel I'm good. Mm -hmm. Right. I may go walking around thinking I'm a great leader. And then we start talking to some of the people and, um, well, not so much. And uh, so I like to keep it simple. Again, people are scared to ask for that feedback. Oh, what are they going to say? And they're scared. So, um, how's it going? What are you working on? That's great. Um, so, uh, I'm doing a little personal checkup. Mm -hmm. I just like some feedback. Um, what value do you think I'm bringing? Mm -hmm. And then, and what can I do more of or less of to be even more effective? Mm -hmm. in the next six months and I, I i like to put that uh the six months idea mm -hmm. and don't say indefinitely you know yeah. if you saw something in the next six months okay and people feel okay about answering those two questions and once they get talking you can get into something deeper if you need to mm -hmm. that's really you good you can't go through being a leader a manager anything in the work world with blinders on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I always say feedback is a privilege and it's scary to ask for it for sure. But it's like you're just that's your way to get better. And if you blindly just war, you know, working through uh, that's how you quickly become irrelevant at some point or and you're like, how did I get here? We're like, well, you never asked for feedback and people are not always going to give it to you oh, oh, <laughs> voluntarily. No, no. Oh. You know, uh, some of us have seen those pictures <clears throat> where there's a person sitting at their desk and they have all those stickies all over them. Mm -hmm. And that means they're over busy. Those pictures usually mean. What I think of is whenever you're walking down the hall or pick up the phone or are talking to people, answering an email, as soon as they know they are interacting with you, they already have a mindset about you if they worked with you before. They already have put a bunch of stickies on you, mm. right? Like uh, talks too much, um, micromanages, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. This whole slew, because that's how we we can't help. The, the, the brain can't help. The brain judges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's how they can, the brain can slot mm -hmm. and know you and so forth. However, changing that mindset that that person may have about you is impossible unless you ask for feedback. Mm -hmm. That sticky will remain on the tip of your nose for mm -hmm. 20 years. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's on those stickies. Mm -hmm. I love that. I just made a note. I'm going to follow up and get feedback from, from a, a few different people today. <laughs> and that's great. Um, Jenny, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, really. Um, really, I, I, I love everything that you're doing. I think your career is super interesting and, and the value that you bring to, to your students and to those around you. I think it's, it's brilliant. And I, I, I'm glad that more and more people like talking about these topics that you cover. So it's, it's refreshing. And um, thank you again for making the time. Oh, thank you. You're, you're a fabulous host. 
and you uh, really summarize and bring forth all the right messages. Mm -hmm.